Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. To Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. 27 minutes past 6 o'clock. Can't wait. Question of the day today is how many hot dogs could you eat if you had to push your body to the limit? Izzy, what do you reckon? Uh, in a minute? In a, 10 minutes. Ooh. 10 minutes. Um, uh, 20? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering that. You could at least do one a minute, and then if you had to push yourself. I was going to say 15. What about you, Joe? Uh, I reckon like nine. Nah. <laughs> nah, nah, you're two at least. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, because I, I, don't, I don't eat all day mostly. Like, I kind of fast anyways. So, like, at dinner time, I eat all my food. So, I reckon I get it at nine. <laughs> nine, okay. <laughs> right. Nine and ten minutes, mate. Nineteen. I've seen you eat. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I probably could get more than that. I'm putting myself down. I think you'd be one of those super freaky small guys that looks like, they, how can they fit it all in them? And then they just, well, it's because they actually don't eat for the six days a week. And then they just go to a hot dog contest, <laughs> soak a bunch of, it's quite disgusting how they do it. So they soak the bun in the water and they just yeah. scoff it down and then they just gullet the, I mean, it's pretty, I was going to say, I was going to swear, but it is pretty cooked. Uh, don't test me, says Joey C on double eight, double three, seventy five minimum. Has anybody actually done any eating competitions around the country? Oh, eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Give us a call. Well, let us let us know where they are. I'm sure they run them at pubs in certain different places. Hamburger competitions, hot dog comps, steaks. What about this? What about this? Joey Joey Chestnut has a net worth of two point five milli. And he gets a $500,000 salary a year for eating hot dogs. How good is that? <laughs> He's on a retainer. He's on a retainer, mate. $500,000 a year for eating hot dogs. 15, 15 years in a row. Hey, what a wow. champ. What a, what a ledge. That's what about like, you, Louis? <laughs> I, was you think, I was thinking 15, but like yeah. if I had to absolutely push myself, like... I mean, it'd just be so uncomfortable. Like, you're watching it, and there are guys <laughs> that have, like, vomit in their beard, and they're like, oh, it's just, it's it's really quite, I mean, it's totally American, isn't it? Brett says, is Joey Chestnut and his fellow competitors tested for him <laughs> performance-enhancing substances that may be increasing their appetite before the competition? <laughs> just asking. <laughs> you don't know those rules. Don't know those rules. But, mate, he's only a small fella, too. He does really well. 
Oh, he's, a, he's a freak. He's an icon. He, um, As they said, he's the god of the rock. The rock is the <laughs> United States of America. It's so funny. I mean, they, it is a place unlike anything else, isn't it, America? They, they, they can turn this into business. $500,000 a year. It's, he's getting paid more than almost all of our athletes in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. What happens. Look at it. We're talking about it in New Zealand. That's what America does. What America does. Yeah, they come forth and they conquer. Half past six this morning. Is anybody doing any eating competitions around New Zealand? Like dumpling eating competitions? I'm sure they have those. <laughs> anybody involved? And what would your food be? If you had to win an eating competition, what would the food be that you sausage could... Sausage roll. Yeah? Yeah. Love a sausage roll. I actually quite like those ones that come frozen in those big long, like... Those big, and you just cut them up and stick them in. Oh, I could, yeah. I could, yeah. I could, I reckon I could, I reckon I could pound away somewhere between fifty and a hundred like small savoys <laughs> if I had to, like those little pink like party little party. Al Sherrick just reminded me of Vox down at the pub. Did that? He tried doing those little sad, little saves, mate. It didn't end well. Didn't end well, is he? We've had a couple. I've had a couple of mates have a crack at um, eating as much food as they can get into them. And one of them, Doc Van Prague, we were at a we were at a place one night, and he thought he'd have a crack at eating steak, as many steaks as he could get, mm-hmm. except he forgot to chew it, and he got into about his ninth steak, a real good steak too, it was ribeye, big pieces of it, oh. and it just started coming up, mate. And the thing oh. with it when it, <laughs> it was coming up, it was coming up whole, it just had teeth marks in it. Oh, it was, he never lived that one down. I couldn't think of anything worse, mate, than stuffing yourself like that. If I, if I had to, if I had an eating contest, it'd have to be poo and pork bones, mate, because I can eat plenty of that if it's on. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. I reckon you, you might be a New Zealand champ at that. Um, Morena boys, unsure about hot dogs, but we had fundraisers for eating pizza slices, slayed 29 pieces, then filled a wheelie bin. <laughs> had a better one with oysters, saying, slaying 212 oysters, but no time limit. Wow. 212 oysters, Joe. It's unbelievable. I love that the people we've had text are Joe, Joey C, and we're talking about Joey Chestnut. There's something with the name Joe. All right, 28 away from seven. Loveraising.nz after this says, I don't know the news for Kubota together with shaping and building New Zealand. Right now we're going to talk some tennis. A little bit of Wimbledon is uh, at the moment. It's not just been Joey Chestnut doing all the chewing this morning. Nick Kyrgios' jaw has been very busy, busy too at the All England Club Wimbledon. To the Aussies' credit though, He's putting it all together this year and through to the quarterfinals. Never lost a five-set match here. So, um, you know, honestly, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, you know, I've, I've been here before, I've done it before, and, and I came through again. I'm just going to put my... I need I need a glass of wine for sure tonight. <laughs> for sure. So. Man, he's got some chat, doesn't he? Once Nick <laughs> sobers up, he'll face Christian Gann. With a chance to make a Wimbledon semi-final right now, Rafa Nadal is cruising away with his with it in his fourth-round matchup, looking locked in as always. Blair Henley is a broadcaster, journalist, and all things tennis, and she's been good enough to join us now. Morning, Blair. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Very well. Thank you so much for joining us, Rafa. Looking, making easy work of it at the moment, isn't he? 
listen, Rafa looks great. What's interesting mm. is he did not look fantastic in his first couple of matches. He's made some adjustments in the last two, flattened the ground strokes out a little bit. He's looking very dangerous. And most importantly, his footwork looks great. We were all a little worried about the state of that ankle. It's looking mm. quite good at this point, guys. What about Nick Kyrgios and all the comments he's been making there? How are the public taking to him? And do we think that he's probably going to, you know, if he comes out on top, man, that's going to be a story in it. Listen, we Nick Kyrgios has a better <laughs> chance of getting through Rafa and Novak winning this whole thing than we do of understanding Nick Kyrgios. He is <laughs> such a mystery. The guy, listen, he he's played some incredible tennis so far. He's said a lot of the right things in press. He admitted today, he's like, I, I have a huge chip on his shoulder. And he sure does. He has this feeling that people are wanting him to fail or waiting for him to fail when I actually think it's the complete opposite. I think the reason people have such strong feelings about Nick is because we want to see him do well. He's so entertaining. He's so incredibly talented. We want to see that week in and week out. And that's why he draws such frustration when you see that other side of Nick Kyrgios. But so far... Today was businesslike against Brandon Nakashima. If he can keep that up, who knows? Could we see him in a final? Does does he get into their heads? I know he got into Sitsipas' head and uh, obviously took him off this game. But if he faces the Nadals and Djokovic with so much um, experience, do you feel like he could upset them and unrattle them? He's actually had a history of doing that just a little mm. bit to Rafa Nadal. We've seen it in a couple of their past matches. Uh, he's played Rafa more than any other member of the big three, and we've seen it just a little bit. And again, Rafa is incredibly businesslike on the court. Uh, Nick has not been shy about the fact that he doesn't love Novak Djokovic, and <laughs> we've seen Novak Djokovic have some of those mental hiccups on the court in terms of dealing with the crowd and, and some of the outside factors. So absolutely, I think Nick can get in anyone's head just because the players are not used to dealing with that sort of thing on the tennis court. No, look, I hope Nick gets there. I think it'd be great um, theatre for everybody just to listen to it. What about um, Iga Swartek being knocked off by the Frenchwoman, uh, Elise Cornet, in, the, in her uh, streak ending? She's something special, isn't she? Oh, my goodness. What Iga Sviantek has done this year has been record-setting in every way. And, and one of the things, it, it's been talked about now, she has had a sports psychologist on her team from the very beginning. So as she started seeing that success, sometimes we see a drop-off in players. After they win that first slam, they really don't know what to do with the fact that they have eyeballs on them. Iga has adjusted to that really well, and we've seen the results of that this year. You knew the streak was going to end eventually. Elise Cornet is a, a giant killer. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to back it up today, losing to Isla Tomjanovic, uh, who hails from Australia, though though uh, of Croatian descent. So Elise uh, <laughs> Cornet can beat just about anyone. And the women's side, mate, there's some, there's some interesting new names coming through. Obviously, Amanda and Nancy Morva, and then you had Harmony Tan, who obviously beat Serena in the, in the first round, and she progressed, but ended her uh, Wimbledon uh, tournament just this morning against Amanda. But, mate, like, who, who, who's looking at to being the favourites in, in the women's draw? Who, who are you thinking is going to go forward and really progress and take this out? Well, a former champion at Wimbledon, Simona Halep, is still in the draw, mm. and she dominated Paula Badosa earlier today, 6-1, 6-2. Badosa's the number four seed. Uh, so I think right now, perhaps 
for the fact that she has the experience alone, Simona Halep is maybe looking like the favorite. But you mentioned Amanda Anisimova, the American. She was close to breaking into the top 20 back in 2019, had a really tragic story. Her father, who was also her coach, passed away before the U.S. Open that year, and it really sort of derailed her upward trajectory. We're seeing it again, though. This year, she's made the round of 16 of the first two slams. She's now into the quarters, and she has enough power to possibly take the racket out of Simona Halep's hands. So I would be very interested to see Halep and Isimova in the women's quarterfinals. Hey, Blair, we're going to head out into the left field here. I'm just going to ask you a question. Um, I don't know if you've followed the LIV golf stuff that's going on and yeah. every, everyone that's, you know, the Greg Norman taking people over there. And, of course, you've got the Saudis being big in the uh, EPL in England. What about the tennis? Is there talk uh, around the table about something like the LIV and the Saudis maybe putting a pitch towards those tennis players to try and create their own comp? I'll tell you guys, not not that I know of. There are always thing, always things going on behind the scenes, but there's tennis over in the Middle East right now. You have you know, there are events in Doha and Dubai, and every year in Abu Dhabi, and and that's the Abu Dhabi event is an exhibition, and so obviously players are getting money to go over there and play. It's usually at the end of December each year, and and that has has made some headlines in the past as well, just be, for the exact same reason. The players are getting money to go over and entertain essentially so there there aren't rumors of sort of rival tour to the atp but i think that <laughs> there's money and they love their sports and i think that they're always going to be sort of uh, <laughs> those two things are going to intersect from an administrative point of view it's not like tennis has been a, a kind of out of the drama this year especially wimbledon blair so i'd love to ask you i mean with what was going on the war in uh, ukraine uh, so Russian uh, and it was Belarusian athletes, wasn't it? They were uh, barred barred from playing. Uh, we'll go back further. Novak Djokovic at some stage, it didn't look like he was going to be able to play. Andy Murray was very vocal. And I know there was probably a, a couple of rice smiles when he was dumped out and Novak is still here. So there was a lot of drama before the fact when we got to Wimbledon. Now the tournament is going and we see everybody in their whites and the pims and the strawberries and cream and all that stuff. Has there been any mention of that or has it just been t- tennis businesses as usual i think it's there was certainly more talk before the tennis started at sw19 i think now that the action is happening it's maybe taken a little bit of pressure off that side of things but <laughs> there's no shortage of drama in tennis there have been several positive covid cases from from high profile players matteo berrettini roberto Bautista Agut, marin chilich that's been a bit of a headline at Wimbledon <laughs> once the play actually started. But in terms of the, the Russian and Belarusian players not playing, I think it was a much bigger headline before the action started. Hey, Blair, crowds seem to be back too. You know, we're watching it down here in New Zealand on TV. We see massive crowds outside in the stadium looking at the big screen. Uh, the, the fans and like the COVID situation that you're talking about, no one's too worried about just getting back to life as normal? That's certainly what it appears to be. I'm not there on the grounds. I have been at some big events, though, this year. Indian Wells, for instance. That was one of the first big events that I felt like seemed completely normal. Back to business as usual, as you say. So, yes, there is this risk. I think we saw even Rafa Nadal has been taking some precautions after those positive tests 
uh, after news of those made headlines, you see him signing autographs with a mask on. So it's up to players to take the precautions that that they feel is best for them and best for their team. And and listen, nobody wants to get a positive test after you've made it to the quarters or the semis of a Grand Slam event. So it, it's up to the players to decide how comfortable they are. But in terms of the fans, they certainly seem to be walking around the grounds uh, like we're, we're back to life as usual. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, we're going to have to let you go, Blair. We really appreciate you coming on the Izzy and Kempi for Breakfast show. Quickly, before we let you go, who wins it, men's and women's? <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> listen, I'm going to go Nick Curios. Nick Curios yeah. on the men's oh, side. Yes. And uh, I'm going to say Simona Halep does it on the women's side. Simona Halep and Nick Curios. Oh. That's a great Cornella. <laughs> That's a great there you go. I'm going to go check the odds on that one, and uh, we'll let you know if it comes in. Thank you very much, Flair. Appreciate your time, as always, and uh, we'll get back on soon. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Very good. Blair Henley. Great question, Louis, because obviously there's a lot of um, disruption in the build-up coming into this uh, Wimbledon, and then kind of haven't really heard much about it. But then, obviously, with the ATP, they took away the points, didn't they, from this event? So that... Have you felt like that's had an effect on it? Well, honestly, not. no. That's why I was mm. asking. Like, Naomi Osaka isn't there, and she kind of made a pithy comment, while well, it kind of feels like a, um, it just feels like a festival. It doesn't even feel, or an exhibition match, because there's no points tied to it. And mm. if you, so we're literally just playing for prize money and prestige, uh, which is enough for the bulk of them. No Medvedev on the men's side. Pretty yeah. disappointing. Uh, Kashinov. There are some seriously uh, impressive athletes that aren't there. But with all the drama, and we spoke about it way before Roland Garris was on, we've been talking a lot of tennis this year, just probably because of the time zone we're in with Breakfast Radio, it's always on. Mm. Since it started, no, it's just been fantastic. This like this Wimbledon has been really, really good. There's been storylines galore. You've got Novak Djokovic tomorrow against Jan Sinner. That game is going to be a rip-snorter. Uh, Sinner will give it to Djokovic. You've got Goffin and Cameron Norrie. Now, Cameron Norrie played for New Zealand. He was a junior Kiwi, and he's in the quarterfinal. He now represents uh, Britain, and he's the last British player left there. Uh, you'll have Nick Kyrgios versus Garin in the quarterfinal. I think Nick can win that one, and then he'll go on to play the winner of probably Rafa Nadal, Taylor Fritz. We're expecting Rafa to progress. On the women's side of things, you've still got some proper big names as far as um, the yeah the women's quarterfinals goes. As as she said, Anna Samova and Simona Halep, they're probably the pick. That's probably where you'd be looking at the winner at mm. this stage. But the tennis itself has kind of spoken for itself. And Kempi, that's kind of what always happens with sporting events. We always talk about it, but then once it gets going... So remember, remember the Olympics last year? The Olympics, it was so dramatic, uh, it wasn't going to happen once it was going. No one even mentioned going. Nah, that's exactly... Well, you know, like, these these iconic events, is a, you know, be good to sort of put a bucket list together. Maybe we should do that one day on the show, put a bucket list of probably the, the 10 sports around the world, iconic sports around the world, that you would like to go and visit. And Wimbledon would have to be on your list. You know, I, I remember as a kid coming um, through when I first went to England when I was 17, I, were, mate, I played tennis on a, on a concrete court down outside the high school. You know, and I knew about Wimbledon when I was a kid. You know, never ever seen it, never ever heard about it till I got to England. And then you watch it for years. It's got to be in in your top ten bucket list. Yeah, oh, it has to be. It has to be. I, I think of the the great events. First things that come to mind: Wimbledon, Masters, 
You got the Masters, and then what about the Ryder Cup? The Ryder Cup. Yep, the Ryder Cup, the Super Bowl. Mate, you think of the FIFA World Cup final. Mate, there's just so many. The Rumble in the think, Jungle. The Rumble in the Jungle. Like, you just think of Imagine great being around events. then. Oh. What is the most prestigious, though? What is the most prestigious? If you think of tennis, is it Wimbledon or is it French? Uh, Wimbledon. Mate, it's like the cock yeah. blade or the Arc de Trump. Yeah. I'm, you know, it's. <laughs> you'd have to say the cock plate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a good question. Is he? I don't, I'm not too sure. I, but I think Wimbledon, because it comes with the the, uh, oh, you know, it's got that royal tinge to it, doesn't it? It's all I know, white. Mate. It's, it's got to wear it's, your dress. Yeah. You got to wear your suit. Yeah. You got to just look very mac- clean looking. though. You, you know, mm. very clean looking. Like I've been watching it since um, since they they kicked off Serena. Obviously, the boys watching Serena losing. She doesn't look like she's up to it these days, but. You know, it's very clean looking. There does, there's no rubbish. <laughs> oh, yeah. there's, there's some chat from Nick Curios. <laughs> I reckon, I reckon he's the only colourful person that plays at that tournament. Well, you can't bottle him, and that's why you love him. Um, wh- what do you think of Nick Curios? Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Are you team Nick Curios? I said the other day that for me, and I'm not kidding, he's genuinely on my Mount Rushmore of living Australians. Hundred percent. Nick Curious, give us a call, like... mate. Man, as he'll take you out for a beer. <laughs> oh, mate, I'll probably end up feeling twenty times worse as I feel today, um, mate. Uh, uh, There's that, a good question, Louis, because from the outside looking in, you actually think he's a twat. You know, you think he's a twat. He's a sport brat, but then, mate, he's actually good for tennis because he makes you want to watch. He makes you want to go and watch, turn the TV on, and watch Nick Curious and have a game because you just don't know what to expect. And, the unexpected. And, and honestly, he actually makes sense. A lot of what he's saying, he's actually right, but, the, but he's just got a reputation. And when you've got a reputation, it's so hard to shake. He was so right the other day. If that was him that hit that ball into the crowd, boom, gone, evicted. See you later. <laughs> Good luck at the US <laughs> Open Championship. See you later. Um, but because it was Sitsipas, and, you know, and, and so I, I really like him. But what do you think of him? And then the other one, what goes on your bucket list? Royal Ascot in the Kentucky Derby, double eight, double three. Text coming through already. Uh, for me, Las Vegas, Formula One. Oh, Vegas. <laughs> hey, hey, Izzy, I, I remember getting sat down by the coach at the end of one season at Newcastle, and this is the Nick Curios thing, and he goes, we need to talk about you and the referees. And I was like, oh, okay. And he goes, they don't like you, all right? They don't like, they don't like you, and you give away too many penalties, and it hurts our team. You, you have to change what you're doing. And that thing that Louis just said about Nick Curios, mate, he just has to open his gob, and they just go, nah, mate. You know, of course you're going to be the only one evicted. You don't that. spray the refs there. Oh, mate, I was t- honestly, no, nah, I didn't. I didn't. I was terrible. I was terrible. <laughs> we struggle to get out of bed in winter. Well, I do personally because it's cold. But these people that took on the crazy midwinter backyard ultra 2022, where the only rules seemed to be you had to continue to run and run and run and run one lap of the 6.7 kilometre course every hour in the last run of standing wins. Well, they obviously don't struggle with the cold. And the winner was Sam Harvey, and he's on the line with us now. Morning, Sam. Yeah, morning. How are we getting on? <laughs> We're not bad, oh, mate. How's your rig? We're not bad. <laughs> oh, Pretty rooted, to be fair. <laughs> Two hundred and thirty-four point seven kilometres, mate. Are you mad? Uh 
Yeah, no, I was hoping it would go further, to be fair. <laughs> hey, what Sam. Were you targeting? What were you targeting? Sorry, sorry, Keith. What were you targeting? What, what was the aim for you to, to, to get the job done? Oh, well, I mean, the target was just to go one more lap than anyone else. Um, <laughs> but, no, it would have been, been nice to at least break the New Zealand record. Um, that's apparently around... Uh, it's 38 hours, so I wanted to go for at least 39 hours, but um, I was I was definitely aiming for the 50-hour mark. Hey, Sam, take us through the wow. journey. Like, take us through the journey. Like, obviously, carboed up the night before, got ready, had the massage, and, and you started at, you know, zero hours. Take us through it, mate, through those, to those 30 hours. What type of pain did your body go through? Well, I mean, usually you're not in too much pain until you're, I don't know, decently deep into it, or at least I'm not. But um, I'd actually just come off doing a 100-mile race in Sydney like three weeks before, so I was actually like still recovering from that. I was pretty pretty sore going into it. So um, I, I was a bit nervous um, just with that added factor of basically going in and the wheels were already wobbling off. Um, no, it was it was it, it was good. Um, just just got through the first day. I knew that as you got through the first day, people would start falling off. And on, honestly, the race doesn't start till you're 24 hours in anyway. <laughs> it's crazy, mate. That is mental toughness to a T. 24 hours the race really starts, mate. What was it like in that last couple of hours? And and you, you know the final competitors. Was there much chat and much banter? You like. Are you staring them down and saying, hurry up, I've got you? Nah, nah. and we, when you get down to the final three, it's a bit of a, I guess, like, three amigos, you're all, you're all mates, and, I mean, like, you do want to beat each other, but at the same time, like, you to go far, they have to go far, because you're only allowed to go one more lap than the last person who gives up. So, um, yeah, essentially, you want to beat them, but you still want them to do well. Hey Sam, like two hundred and thirty k's a long way, mate. What's your horizon? Like, what's your gold medal? Where where are we going with us? Um, well, it's not my farthest. My farthest was um, last year uh, when I debuted in this kind of event, and I did two forty seven. Um, so it was a couple hours, a couple hours longer than what we did um, on the weekend, and. Uh, yeah, no. The goal is just to go as far as I can. I I don't think I've um, I don't think I've been pushed to nearly my limit yet. So it'd just be cool to see how far we can go. And that that'll probably either happen at World Champs in October this year or um, World Champs in October next year. I'd say. Yeah, so I was just going to ask you about that, Sam. So I, I saw um, that the, you get a ticket with this. So there is a is there a New Zealand team, and how does it work? Yeah, well. So this year's uh, World Champs will be basically set up as a satellite event and that came to be as a result of COVID because no one could travel. So instead of having World Champs all in one location, each country competes against all the other countries on their own turf. So you all do a 6.7 kilometre loop on the hour at the same hour. You're just all doing it remotely and all the all the results are uploaded live. So... Uh, my win um, in Dunedin at the start of the year that qualified me for that qualified me for world champs for the satellite event. Uh, nobody won the uh, 
nobody won the Auckland event earlier in the year, which is a is a long story. But um, and now this this win would would have again qualified me. So um, I'm I'm undefeated this year technically. <laughs> hey, Sam Harvey, undefeated. All right, Sam, we love we we know you love running and and you get obviously a lot of. Uh, Incentives out of it, you make uh, uh, some qualifying for some events overseas. You get any cash with it, mate? Uh, I'm in the early stages of getting like good good sponsorship. I've got a awesome company that I work for called Duval, um, and yeah, they they sponsor my running, which is awesome. It just no. helps kind of get me to the places that I need to be. Awesome, mate. Awesome. What about Lisa Tarmody, mate? Have you got some um, had some talks with her and gone through what she's done and and taken any tips from her? I haven't actually. I mean, like honestly, I'm pretty I'm pretty new to the ultra running scene. I've only really dabbled in in a whole heap of sports for the last decade, and then um, and then ultra marathon in the last maybe three years or so, uh, and then it was kind of last year to this year that I was like, right, let's let's get serious and just cut out all the bullshit. So no more boxing, no more rugby, no more mountain biking, just, just running. Found, found your niche. <laughs> That's it, mate. You're good. Just running. Good luck. Well, it literally is just running. Oh, just very, very quickly, we got to go. We're about to uh, crash into our ad, Sam. But how cold was it? In, like, I saw one guy say it was like a fridge in the forest. Oh, it was a freezer in the forest. It was bloody horrendous. It was, uh, I reckon it was the most brutal race I've ever done just from the cold. Um, yeah, there was a lot of miserable bastards out there during the first <laughs> night because um, I, I could tell that they weren't doing clothes swaps or anything. So they were getting sweaty and their sweat was getting cold and they were just suffering for hours. And so it's no wonder that about 100 people pulled out on the first night. Oh, mate. And that Christchurch cold in Spencer Park in the forest. Sam Harvey, you're a one of a kind, mate, quite literally. All the best for well the rest done. of the year. These ultra marathon runners, they are on another level. Good morning, mate. How are you? Hey, Kempi. Yeah, good, thanks. Good. Mate, you really? Are you enjoying your day off after getting that win? Uh, yeah, look, it was a um, it was a great week. Good to come home and Know, for the players to play in front of their home crowd and also just soak up the the week of being around, you know, the people that work at the club that haven't have haven't been involved as such, you know, the office people and you know even our development pathways coaches and all that mm. and seeing, you know, we had a kids team, well not kids, an under eighteen team play on the weekend and see them around and for them to see the players. So yeah, it was it's a really good week and um, for the boys to put in a you know performance to get a result that you know we were. We were after uh, made it, you know, extra special. Uh, Stace, can can you feel the momentum shift? You feel the confidence w- within the group. Obviously, getting the win, being back home in front of us, packed out Mount Smart, but in particular, holding a, a Tigers team. We've got to be realists here that that are struggling, but holding them to two points must do wonders for for the confidence in the group. Yeah, that was probably the most pleasing part. You know, not not conceding a try. Mm. Um, yeah, confidence has been. I'm not going to hide from where we're at with confidence being low and, and all of that. But, you know, we, we would gain a bit of confidence from that performance. And, you know, like I said, especially coming home and being in front of our, our own crowd. And, you know, we go away for a couple... We've got to buy now, but we go play away for a couple of weeks until we come back again. So, um, look, we're not getting certainly not getting carried away by that performance. Um, you know, I thought our attack, you know, was, was OK. Um, you know, we, we probably didn't throw enough at the Tigers and, and against other teams if we're going to have to play a bit more footy. So, 
um, the pleasing result, like you said, um, as he was the, the the holding the Tigers to, to no tries. Hey, Stace, just talking about that uh, that run home. You know, you've got eight games left. You're playing uh, for those teams in the eight, and and a couple that are below you. What what do you think of that run home? Do you think that there's still a couple of wins for you there, or is it just going to be you know you got Para Melbourne in the next two weeks? Um, you think you think you're going to be there or thereabouts? Oh, look, Kempi, you haven't looked at you know um, the the long range of the season at the moment. It's, it's week to week, the old cliche. So we know we've got Parramatta next. We've got to buy to freshen up, um, you know. And like I said, we we take a little bit of confidence from this week. And at the moment, it's just week to week for for this group. And you know, my job is to you know make sure I pick a team that's going to go out and and put a performance together, mate. Speaking of picking a team, you lose uh, Reese Walsh a couple of days out. Huge loss for for the Warriors and and Warriors fans. You know, wanted to see Reese Walsh back at home for the first time. But then Chanel Harris Devita comes in and runs an absolute clinic. Selection headache now with Reese Walsh and Chanel Harris Devita available. What do you do there? Um, I'll ask my assistant coaches their opinion on it. <laughs> uh, look, yeah, I thought Chanel was outstanding. He, you know, he played a tough game of footy, very different to to what Reese brings, and and it was gutting for Reese not to be able to play. He's still locked up in the hotel room um, in Auckland, and uh, uh, yeah, it was gutting for him because I know how how much he was looking forward to playing in front of Mount Smart for the first time, but. Yeah, I thought Chanel was, you know, near our best player on the weekend. Um, he played a little bit of fullback, you know, played for the Maldives a bit there in the Indigenous game and had a couple of games for us early in the season. So, you know, it wasn't like he hadn't played there before, but I thought he just played tough, you know, like he, he carried the ball strong. He was, you know, fairly safe under the high ball and, you know, his push push around the ruck with supports and that was really good. Hey, Stace, talking about assistant coaches, up in your box, you know, Campo's up there, Owen's up there. I mean, I'm, I'm swear Jason Deeth was up there, um, or someone that looks look, looks like him. What's going on with the coaching position there? Are you looking to take it on next year full-time, or, you know, um, are you just looking to drop back and be a player support role? Um, and what, what, are, what roles are Campo and Owen doing at the club? So first of all, no, Jason Deeth wasn't in the box. That was Justin Morgan. Uh, he's our defensive assistant coach. But Arwen and Campo were there. Arwen and Campo are, are ambassadors for the club. Um, they were um, given those roles, I think, right at the start of the year. Um, they brought them on and they do bits and Arwen uh, does bits and pieces around around here in Auckland and, and Campo does stuff in, around Queensland for the for the club. And then we have got Monty Beetham. And Ruben Wickey's part of our community, so we've got, you know, some old boys that are around. And um, I just uh, asked Arwen and Campo if, if you're around on game day to be, you know, they come to trainings, but they don't actually have an official role with the team. But you know, they're good people to bounce some ideas off, you know, when need be. So it's great to have them around. And the club's going through a process now of trying to find uh, the right person that they think can take the club forward. And um, yeah, we'll just wait and see where, where that goes. But at the moment, I'm just in this role for, uh, you know, for, for the interim. Oh, mate, if you take that, that job, Stace, I think every man and their dog will be happy to see you at the helm, mate. You saw the appreciation and the applause that when the camera went on, Stacey Jones in the box, everyone was charhoo, and they even did a fake shoey, mate. Did you see that out the window? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, but then my kids showed to me on, on one of their, whatever they do, you know, they show you stuff. I, I actually did not see it. Uh, yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't a real show. He, Stacey had a, he had a cup. 
in a cup inside the <laughs> boot, mate. He must have, he must have come <laughs> over from the Blues, I think. Hey, so Stace, the boys got a bit of time off. Um, you're looking to make any other changes to the team? I know you're an Aiken was shoved out there in the centres. Everyone was quite happy about that, but still played in the back row. Or are you looking to go with a team that did the job for you against the Tigers in the next game? Yeah, we'll wait and see. Um, the boys have got a couple of days off at the moment. Um, yeah, we had to move Ewan back there because Jack Murchie um, pulled up very sore with his knee, so we had to make a couple of changes there. And I really wanted to play Ewan in the centres and give him a crack there, um, just for for more more the experience that that he can bring. So, you know, we'll, we'll revisit that if we need to and have a look at what our options are for the, for the next game. But we've got a bit of time to to think about that. Bit of time for for the players to rest up and uh, enjoy some time back home with Fano and friends. It's been a long time. Stacey, and, uh, well, you saw all the fans, they loved having you guys home. Mate, quickly, before we let you go, Sean Johnson, with probably his most clinical performance, you've obviously been working really closely with, with Sean Johnson. You must have been pretty happy with how he performed on the weekend. Oh, extremely happy, yeah. Very mm. um, proud of Sean and his performance. And, you know, the challenge for him now is to do it, you know, every week for the rest of the year. You know, I thought his kicking game was spot on. He, he ran the ball. But I thought, you know what, the best part of his game was his defence. You know, he really got up and, you know, I know Ken Mamalu was, was targeting him and he got up on Ken and he, you know, he made his tackle. So, uh, Sean, you know, um, needs to bring that every week now. And, he, yeah, he was really good. Yeah, good good work, Stace. Hey, all the best for your run home, Stace. Uh, we're supporting you here at SENZ. Thanks for joining us on the Izzy and Kibbe for breakfast uh, this morning. Have a good, have yes, a good break, mate. No worries. Thanks, Kibbe. Thanks, Izzy. Cheers, boys. See ya. There you go, is Stacey Jones doing a good job. You hit you hit the nail on the head. Like sitting second last on the table, comes home, and at the end of the day, they're all standing up cheering Stacey Jones on. That's that's what I mean. You know, like Stacey's such an iconic figure for the club. Um, I'll still say it, masterstroke to put him in that coaching position. Um, just before they got home. So, my wish and Stacey all the best, mate. Couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. Oh, I hope he gets it. I hope he gets it. just yeah. It sounds like it. And we've heard about Stacey. He's just, you know, a quiet guy. He just loves getting up around his work. Um, loves the Warriors. Absolutely loves Warriors. And you know what? Warriors fan loves him because he is the greatest of all time, I feel, for the Warriors, mate. So, look, I wish him all the best. And, and it's going to be, you know, a, a difficult couple of weeks for them. But um, like I said a bit earlier, you just, you know, momentum, rally behind. And uh, confidence within the group. Sean Johnson, he asked the question. He's got to do that every week. And we've seen it now. We saw it against ho- at home against the Tigers. Now he's got to go and put that out uh, week in, week out, because he can do it. A bit of a groundswell yesterday, everybody, uh, actually. On a serious note, a bit of a groundswell. Um, people calling for the man that put the cup in the shoe to show himself and own up. The Shuey's the Shuey situation's not he's, going away. Shuey Gate is and did he show up? It's horrible, man. I, 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 I haven't seen. I mean, he, look, I haven't seen it yet. But he needs to come forward and he needs to apologise to a nation that is hurting. Because you can't just you can't put yourself in front of the in that position and look like such a good, you know, such a great hearty Warriors fan, and then you can be counted found out to be a fraud. We need an apology. The country needs to heal together. We need a reply from Tai Tuivasa as well. Yeah, one. Should, the punishment should be one gut punch. <laughs> <laughs> no, Louis, no. It should be. Uh, 
Don't worry, mate. There's plenty of fraud Warriors fans out there, mate. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Okay, okay, here we go. Let's just bounce through some texts here. Morning, boys. So good to see you at Sky City. Thanks for the Chemist Warehouse gift pack. Awesome ABs game. Fantastic result for the Warriors. Kyrgios is a knobhead, though. (laughs) He intimidates players and officials. Definitely a head case. Um, Kempi, Clifton spanked, old boys. Yes, good to see you too, Straddy. There's um, come up all the way up from Taranaki there. At least you got your pack, son. Old Stacey, he was an Auckland junior in the, on the on the bus when I played Auckland Div 2 seniors. Shook hands with old Willie uh, Poaching, who was his captain, Brady um, Malamawas there too. The seniors players, Tank Gordon's, oh, gee whiz, Ed, you got a lot going on. Namahi Stacey, though, important part there. Kyrgios, if it was, if he wasn't an Aussie, I would probably quite like him, but he is an Aussie, so yes, total bellend. <laughs> That's <laughs> the only thing that hasn't gone for him is that he's an Aussie. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, come on, come on, Nick. Get that eight bucks up. And there's one last text here that i got to get to before we shoot off. It's come through from Julie Cole, but I think it must be Julie Cole's phone. Just want to shout out the legend Izzy Dag, one of the most humble Kiwi sports legends out there who supported the World Junior Squash Team fundraiser to head over to France to compete, raised over $6,000 and didn't ask a penny for his time. Also a natural on the squash court. <laughs> Two Mickey brother, turn left, baby. That must be from Paul Cole. It's from Coley. That, that is Paul, mate. Um, oh, appreciate that, brother. Um, I had a yeah great time and... There's some absolutely outstanding uh, squash players here. Mate, of course. It's the least I could do. It's the least I could do. He's a champion for our show and uh, give back, you know. Give back. So appreciate that. I don't really know what to say. <laughs> oh, I like that. Is. No, you don't need to say anything, mate. Coley said all that all that for yeah. you. And that's exactly right. We've talked about that many times on this, sta- on this um, station is that Man, just imagine if a lot of our elite athletes, once they went back and retired, gave back to their community, our communities would be thriving. So if you're listening and you've been a professional, get involved with your club, the, your child childhood club, and help them out. Champion, is he? Well done, bro. Izzy and Kempe, our country clueless. Yep, yep, yep. I was uh, 8.30 last night, and uh, obviously Mandy. Mandy's uh, our neighbour here. She lives out the back. She's Tilly's godmother. She's a crusader's massage therapist. She's a lovely lady. Got to thank her for looking after my babies over the weekend. But anyway, she messaged me 8.30. She's like, is he? There's a cow on my deck. <laughs> and one of the cows. And I want some beer. <laughs> so she's like, probably gonna go jump in the shower. And she's like, walk along. And she, you know, when someone's looking at you, you just get this feeling. She's like, you know, looks out and she reckons she just sees these big eyes on the deck looking through her window. And she's just like, ah! starts screaming. When she sees me the message, I go out. These cows are everywhere. It's dark. And I'm like, losing the plot. I'm like, so angry, so angry. Um, anyway, so they broke through the electric fence. They're just pulling the wall over my head, and um, I've got baleage done here. Anyway, lads, I've got baleage done. So they've they've gone. I've got sixty baleage uh, bales of baleage. They've gone and took the corner off every bale. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> they've gone and took the corner off every bale. So if that happens to the baleage, the baleage is gone. It goes off and it's Rot. worthless. Yeah. Rot. It's yeah. worthless. So they've done that to me. 
I'm so angry. I'm so angry. So I want to get rid of them. So I need help. I need help. Um, anyone out there, stock agent, wants six Friesian stairs, give me a text. I'll, I'll, like I'll, give, you, three. I'll give you 50 bucks for each of them. <laughs> Where's Luke Romano? Is he still on Ponsonby Road or is he oh, keen? Luke Romano, he's in Newmarket living in his uh, apartment. Nah, mate, I've had enough. I've had enough. It's time to move on. The wife's fed up. Everyone's fed up. And um, look, they've done their dash. They're about, they're about two and a half years old. And oh, they're, they, worth, uh, they're worth good coin too. But they'll be just under 300 kilos, so they'll be worth a bit. Um, but yeah, time to move on. Mate, so get a fence up. Easy, easy fix. Get a fence around, put some posts and rails. I'm not spending and... any more money on these pricks. <laughs> telling you. Okay. You've well, got to fool them in again, mate. You're like, get rid of them, put them in a the truck, get a fence around. Use, no, the, no, mo- use the money that you sell them, sell them for. No, we're done. Buy your fence, <laughs> get another six and, and let done. it happen we're again. Done. We're done. We're not, we're not growing stock. We're not. Getting in more stock. We're done. Um, well, PGG writes, and they look after our turf at SCNZ. I'm sure they could send a stocky your way. There you go. And uh, Mark, Mark Shaw. Mark, look after me, bud. Send somebody as his way, and he's got some <laughs> stairs, and not the stairs you sort of climb. These stairs, wow. I mean, that's so funny. You do know when somebody's watching you. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.